You're listening to audio from Calvary Baptist Church of Port Austin. If you'd like to check out more resources or learn more about us, please visit cbcportaustin.org. So I want to start today by telling you a little bit about a pastor in North Carolina, and his name is Michael Johnson. Um, And he's an interesting guy. He has a wife who is a photographer. That's what she does full time. Um, He's got three kids, and he's right now in the process of adopting another one. And um, it's really cool. His church actually just celebrated um, Passover to kind of show what it was like for the Jews back in the day. And they saw um, they took uh, all the different food and kind of showed them what it signified and things like that. And um, here's the interesting thing about Michael Johnson is that I actually do not know Michael Johnson. I've never met him before in my life. Um, In fact, yesterday I was driving to Frankenmuth and I asked Shannon, what's a common name in the United States? And she said, probably Michael. And I said, what about a last name? What's a generic last name? And she said, "Um, probably, I don't know. And I was like, what about Johnson? And I was like, okay, look Michael Johnson up on Facebook. And so she searched Michael Johnson and the first name that came up was him. And she read me this material about Michael Johnson so that I could tell you this story um, with all of these random facts. Now, here's why I tell you the story. First of all, thinking creeper, right? Um, No, but here's why I tell you the story. And wouldn't it be interesting if he listened to the podcast later, right? He's just like, Wait, that, that's me, right? Um, but anyways, um, in our world today, it's possible to know a lot about someone without actually knowing them. And the same is true about Jesus. You can know all the facts. And you can know where he was born. You can know all about Bethlehem and the, and the stable and the manger. And you can know about the wise men coming later. And you can know all the facts about turning water into wine and all the miracles without actually knowing him. And, and that is so so easy for us today in this world, too, because... That's how we have a lot of relationships today, through social media. I mean, think about celebrities. Like, people know everything there is to know about a celebrity, um, but they don't know that person. In fact, if you press deeper, they probably don't really care about that person, right? I mean, they might wait, wait in line for hours to get an autograph or a picture with someone, um, but if something happens to that celebrity, they don't really care, right? Like, people may love that celebrity, but the, the moment they're not popular anymore, or they, they break up with so-and-so, and you might be sad for a day, but you just forget about them because you don't know them, right? And that's what was happening to Jesus while, while he was here on earth. He was starting to get that celebrity status. I mean, who wouldn't um, turning water into wine and, and doing all these miracles? I mean, who wouldn't start to get grow in popularity? But what was happening is people were excited about Jesus because of his miracles and because of that, that status that he was starting to get, but they didn't really care about him as a person. They had a superficial faith in him. They had a superficial relationship with him that was a, just a reaction to the miracles with no actual interest in the person. And sadly, this happens to us today. A lot of people want Jesus to fix their marriage. They want Jesus to help them with their finances. They want Jesus to take away their sickness, but they don't really care about Jesus. And what John wants us to do in this passage is he wants to show us that that was taking place and then contrast that with a person who actually experienced genuine faith in Jesus. And so the message today is called True Faith, and we're going to be in John chapter 4, and we're going to start in 43. In John chapter 4, verse 43, and what I want to do is I want to highlight some truths about Jesus in this passage, um, which we're going to do all throughout the, the book of John, which is exciting and just a side note, if you're reading your Bible and you're wondering, how do I, what do I get out of this? A good question to ask is, what does this show me about Jesus? What does this teach me about God and who he is and what he's done and his character? And, and, and how, how does that change my outlook in this life? Because sometimes we, we go and we want some quick fixes for us. But when we start with worship 
and just say, who is Jesus and what has he done? That can really empower our service, okay? And so verse 43 of John chapter 4, it says this. Remember, he was just with the Samaritans. He just had this revival breakout. Last week we talked about that with, with true water and how it can quench your spiritual thirst. And, and so he was there for two days because they asked him to stay. And in verse 43, now after two days, he departed thence and went into Galilee. So he's leaving Samaria, which is foreign territory really for the Jews. It really wasn't their people. Okay, remember we talked about that last week. They, they thought they were religious half-breeds and heretics. Okay, and, and now he's going back into Jewish country in Galilee. And it says in verse 44, For Jesus himself testified that a prophet hath no honor in his own country. So this is strange. It says that he leaves Samaria to go into Galilee because or for People in his own country don't give him honor. So Jesus goes places where he knows he won't receive true honor. That's interesting. Verse 45. Then when he was coming to Galilee, the Galileans received him, having seen all the things that he did at Jerusalem at the feast, for they also went unto the feast. So when we, we're going to pause here for a minute. When you read that, you might be a little bit confused because there's, there's some weird things going on there, right? First of all, he says, you don't receive honor in your own country. And then he goes into his own country. Um, which is strange. But then it says, you don't receive honor in your own country. But then he goes to his own country and it says the Galileans received him. There was like a welcoming. There was an excitement. And so you're like, does that contradict what's going on there? But again, what I think John is doing for us is he's highlighting this superficial celebrity type reaction to Jesus. He's saying they, they received him, but then look why they received him. Because they saw the signs and the miracles that he had done in Jerusalem. And so they're like, hey, Jesus is back. He, he's the guy that was raised here in Galilee. Um, Jesus, come on. You know, you're, you're the hometown boy. And we've heard all about your success in Jerusalem. But, but they don't really care about Jesus. And John is going to do this for us all throughout this book. And, and to kind of help you with this, I want you to um, I want to walk through the different chapters and show that this happens in each chapter. Um, and later, if you're wondering, are you sure about this? I think Jesus confirms it for us later because he says to them, except ye see signs and wonders, ye will not believe. So Jesus is, is frustrated by this superficial faith. Um, in chapter 1, we see it in verse 11. You probably remember, he came unto his own, and his own received him not. Okay, so that's the prologue. That's, that's preparing you for what's about to happen in the book. And he says, he came unto his own, and his own received him not. And then in verse two, or chapter 2, at the end of it, we just glossed past this. And I didn't cover it in detail, but today you're going to kind of get the application from this. In verses 23 and 25, right after he had said, I could destroy this temple, or you can destroy this temple, and I'll rebuild it in three days. Remember that? And he was talking about his body, not the actual temple. Um, then it says this, Now when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover and the feast day, many believed in his name. Oh, that's, that's great, right? Many believed in his name. When they saw the miracles which he did... This is the scary part. But Jesus did not commit himself unto them because he knew all men. And he needed not that any should testify of man, for he knew what was in man. So Jesus saw this belief, but he saw it was a reaction to the miracles with no interest in the person. And he didn't commit himself to them. And, and this is why it's scary. There's a type of faith. There's a type of belief that is a surface level belief with no actual interest in the person. In chapter 3, um, we see Nicodemus come. What does he say? He says, we know you're a teacher from God because of the miracles. But then he's like, 
we know you're a teacher from God, but I really don't have any interest in following you or listening to what you say. Right? Like, like us Pharisees, we're not going to obey your word at all. In fact, later, we're going to kill you. But we know you're a teacher from God because of the miracles. And then in the end of chapter 3, in verse 19 and 20, right in the middle, actually, it says, And this is the condemnation, that light has come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. So it's showing again that there's people that are there, that they see the light of Jesus. They see there's something special about him, but they don't want the light. They want their sin. And so they reject him. They go away from the light. And now we're seeing it again in chapter 4. This, this superficial reaction to Jesus with no actual interest. And so the first point for today is Jesus does not accept superficial faith. That's not what he's interested in. He doesn't want people to come to Jesus for him to fix their marriage or fix their health or fix their finances without actually being interested in who he is. And to really get personal with this, okay, to really press down deep. This is very, very scary, and this may alarm some of you, but if you prayed a prayer as a child because you wanted to stay out of hell, but you have zero interest in loving Jesus, obeying Jesus, or being with Jesus' people, or reading his word, I mean, zero interest is to follow him at all, that may have just been superficial faith. I mean, who doesn't want a get-out-of-hell-free card, right? I mean, I mean, we have these conferences and we get all these people and we say, do you want to burn in hell for all eternity? No. Okay, repeat after me. Pray this prayer. And there's no evidence that they have any interest in the person of Jesus. And again, you may be like, oh man, that's scary, right? Like, what, what are you saying? Well, if you look through the Bible, you'll see that there's people who make professions that don't actually know Jesus. And the scariest part is in Matthew chapter 7 where Jesus in the end is going to say, hey, you did many things in my name, but I never knew you. And so what it comes down to is not have you come to Jesus for his benefits. It's have you come to Jesus for Jesus? It's about Jesus. It's about a relationship. It's about knowing him. Right? I mean, I, mean, I, I told you this story about Michael Johnson, a pastor in North Carolina. And, and you guys were all listening like, oh, okay, well, I mean, well, how does he know him? I don't know, but he knows all this stuff about him. But I don't know him. In fact, I didn't even see him. <laughs> Shannon was scrolling through while I was driving. If he caught, came in a room today, I couldn't even point him out. And I think that's a lot of the, the facts that people know about Jesus today, but they don't actually know him. And they're so inoculated to Jesus from hearing about him in our culture that, that they don't have genuine faith in him. And the scriptures are very clear. It says, examine yourselves. Test yourselves. See whether or not you're in the faith. See whether or not you've actually believed. See whether or not you actually love the Lord Jesus Christ. Because here, they received him. But it was all about the miracles and it had nothing to do with the person. Listen, Jesus is not to be treated like a genie in a bottle. We don't come to Jesus for, uh, for what we can get out of him. We come to Jesus because of who he is. And we come to him and, and, and he, he deserves nothing short of absolute surrender and worship. And here's the, the crazy thing. Okay, he deserves nothing but for us to fall on our face before him and live for him for all of our days, even if he casts us in hell. I mean, he deserves that. He's our creator. He's our Lord. But he allows us to enter into a relationship with him where he says, hey, you're no longer my slaves, you're my friends. That's grace. And so, so Jesus doesn't accept superficial faith. Let's keep reading in verse 46. So Jesus came again into Cana of Galilee where he made the water wine. 
And there was a certain nobleman whose son was sick at Capernaum. So he's setting the scene for us. Remember, don't just read this. I want you to be there. I want you to be in the story. Feel it. Um, feel the sun on Jesus' face. Right? See the crowd. See, see the excitement over the miracles. And there's this man, and he's sick, and he's a nobleman. That's a royal government official. Okay? And his, his son is sick in Capernaum. In verse 47. When he heard that Jesus was come out of Judea into Galilee, he went unto him and besought him that he would come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. So Capernaum was about 24 miles or so from Cana. And this guy hears word that Jesus is coming into the region. And he says, I've got to go see him. His son is at the point of death. He's about to die. He's very sick. He makes this long trek to Cana on foot. And he gets there and he goes to Jesus. He maybe works his way through this crowd that's all excited and welcoming him because of his miracles. And he says, sir, you need to come and you need to heal my son. He's sick to the point of death. And then look at Jesus' response. It's so puzzling. Then said Jesus unto him, Except ye see signs and wonders, ye will not believe. Man, that seems kind of harsh, right? I mean, this guy's, his son is about to die. Jesus, what, what are you doing? And, and what I want you to know is when you read through the Gospels and you, and you learn more about Jesus, he's going to puzzle you a lot because he's God, okay? And so, so there's going to be times where you, what, what is this? But he's doing something. He's up to something. And the nobleman saith unto him, in verse 49, Sir, come down, ere my child die. He's like, he probably doesn't even know what Jesus is talking about. Right? Like, what do you mean, signs and wonders? My son is about to die. Like, please come down. I, I don't know what you're talking about. I, I, I don't really have time to debate it, but my son is about to die. I mean, I mean the desperation that this man must be feeling. And then verse, 40, or verse 50, Jesus saith unto him, Go thy way, thy son liveth. And the man believed the word that Jesus had spoken unto him, and he went his way. I mean, this is, this is mind-blowing. And now I'm, I'm going to unpack this in our third point, but I, I want to pause and I want to make another application. Jesus never runs out of grace. Okay, remember the background, okay? Jesus comes to this region. All these people receive him. They're welcoming him, but it's a superficial faith. Right? Jesus just said nobody receives honor in his own country. Um, we, we, we see that all throughout the book we've been seeing this, multi, this different reactions of belief and unbelief or fake belief. And so there's this hostility. Jesus responds with somewhat of a hostile response. I mean, he says, he says except you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. So there's a frustration there. And then the next words out of his mouth are, Go thy way, thy son liveth. You know, I don't know about you, but when I'm frustrated, I'm not, I'm not wanting to help anybody, <laughs> right? Like, like if I'm in the middle of something and it's frustrating and someone comes asking me a request, I'm not going to stop what I'm doing and go do that. I'm, I'm, I'm not, okay? I'm just being honest. I'm human. I'm probably going to be mad and, and maybe snap at him. But Jesus, he makes a point that all you guys care about is what I can do for you. You don't actually care about me. He makes that point loud and clear. And then a man comes to him who came for the same reason that everybody else had welcomed him. For a miracle. He wanted something out of Jesus. He didn't care about Jesus. He, he wanted his son healed. Right? Like, he's not there to debate who Jesus is or get into the depths of Christology or, or what's going on here. He doesn't care. His son is about to die. And he says, Jesus, will you please heal my son? And Jesus says, go thy way, thy son liveth. You know... Who, who is this nobleman? I mean, who is he? 
If you study and you look into it, you'll learn that he probably worked for King Herod Antipas. Okay, he was a disgusting man, to say the least. A man of fornication and wickedness, a man who actually beheaded John the Baptist, if you remember, um, at that disgusting party. I mean, he's a wicked, wicked man. And so this guy works for him or works alongside him or something like that. And so we've got this people, this crowd that's, that's received Jesus, but it's fake. And they don't care about Jesus at all. They just want what he can give them. And then this guy comes who's working for, for this dirtbag of a king, uh, a king's official. I mean, what is he doing? He comes in the crowd and he asks for a miracle as well. And you would think that Jesus would reject him. But Jesus never runs out of grace. And he says, go thy way, thy son liveth. And so what's amazing about this story is that Jesus does the miracle for him after rebuking them for wanting miracles. And, and when you study this, you're going to find that this man, he believes, I mean, that's, that's crazy too. He's like, please come with me. And he says, go thy way, thy son liveth. And he, he's like, all right. He believes and he leaves. I mean, that's, that's pretty incredible faith. Shows you the power of the word of God. When Jesus spoke, it was like something snapped in his mind, and he's like, all right, I believe. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Jesus is God, and he's speaking, and he says, it's done. Go. And the man believes in an instant. But here's what's amazing. Later, we'll find that this man ends up believing in a saving type of faith, an actual relationship, deeper than this superficial faith that we just talked about. And so this man may have came for a miracle, but he left with a Messiah. And that's what I love about this story. Is that Jesus is frustrated. These people, all they care about is the miracles. This man comes for a miracle. And he's so gracious and loving that he heals his son anyways. And it ends up resulting in a saving relationship with him. And so here's, here's something that, to help you this morning. Something to encourage you. I don't know why you came to Jesus in the past. I don't know if that first point scared you half to death. Like, man, I kind of do only care about the benefits. I don't really care about Jesus. I don't, I don't know, okay? I can't see in your hearts. But I do know that this man came, for Je- came to Jesus for his benefits. But Jesus still gave him grace, and he still ended up saving him and his household. And so, again, I don't know why you came to Jesus in the past, but there's still grace today for you to come to him as his person today, as a person, to know him, to have that relationship. I love this. In John 6, we're going to see that Jesus says, Him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. Jesus never runs out of grace. And so as we keep reading, I want to read the end of the story. We'll wrap it up here in verse 51. The man heard, he believed, he went his way. I mean, amazing that he would just believe that. Verse 51 And as he was now going down, his servants met him and told him, saying, Thy son liveth. Then inquired he of them the hour when he began to amend. And they said unto him, Yesterday at the seventh hour the fever left him. So the father knew that it was at the same hour in the which Jesus said unto him, Thy son liveth. And himself believed in his whole house. This is again the second miracle that Jesus did when he was come out of Judea into Galilee. So this man, I mean, remember, I want you to be in the story. Think about this. Crowds gathering, they're all excited. 
This guy makes his way through the crowd. My son, he's about to die. Can you please come and heal him? And, and Jesus says, except you see signs and wonders, you're not going to believe. And he's like, please just come heal my son. I mean, I'm sure he's begging him. I mean, he's at the point of desperation. He's a royal official, probably has a pretty nice title. I mean, he's probably pretty high up, probably a man of social status. I mean, and he makes his way through this crowd and is begging Jesus to come and heal his son. And I mean, we, we hear stories like this with parents today where they do the craziest things to save their children. So if you're a parent today, you understand the desperation in this man. And Jesus looks at him and he says, go. And it's a forceful, it's like a command. It's like, go, he's healed. The man believes. Okay. I mean, he went from desperate, please come and heal my son to, oh, okay. He goes his way. And then the next day he gets there which is really interesting, and his servants run to meet him. Sir, your son lives! And you, you can probably see a smirk on his face. He had already believed. The scripture said he already believed. So he's probably like, I know. Hey, what time was it? What time was it when he got better? And they tell him the exact hour, and he knew in that moment. That was the very hour that Jesus had son, said, your son liveth. And it results in him believing and his whole household believing. I mean, think about the power of Jesus here. And this brings us to our final point today. Jesus has limitless power. I mean, Jesus, he, he's about 24 miles away. Okay, I have no idea what's going on 24 miles away from me right now. I have no clue. I mean, we can look at the news a little bit and maybe get some live feeds from somewhere, but we don't know what's going on 24 miles away. And Jesus knows what's going on 24 miles away. He sees that man sick. He sees that boy who's about to die. He knows exactly what's going on, and he knew about it before the man made his way through the crowd. And not only that, Jesus knows what's going on 24 million miles away. I mean, infinite knowledge, limitless power. This man comes to him and begs him to come, and he says, hey, I'll do you one better than that. I'll just heal him right now. Go, your son lives. The power of Jesus. And then he's like, hey, what time was it? Guys, can you tell me the time? When was it that Jesus, or when was it that my son was starting to get better? And they tell him the time, and he's like, he nailed it. He nailed it, man. It was right on the mark. He was, he was probably so excited. Can you, can you think about that? Like, I mean, I would have just been like, no way. Like, that was right when Jesus said, go, your son lives. And, and it results in him believing and the whole house believes. These, these people who work for this wicked king, who, who he came to Jesus for no reason but his, his, own, or his own reasons. I mean, he didn't care about Jesus. And he ends up believing him as a person, as a Messiah. He came for a miracle, but he left with a Messiah. And his whole household believes. Man, if we could just get a hold of the power of our Savior today. I mean, how, how exciting is it that Jesus is just like, he's, he's alive. He's living. Go. I mean, remote control miracle. I don't even need to go down there. And, and I just want you to consider today, remember John's purpose. That you would believe that Jesus is the Son of God and that believing you would have life in his name. And so John wants us to see the power of Jesus in this. He wants us to see that Jesus doesn't need to go down there. He's not limited by human boundaries. Okay? I mean, we are so limited. Right? We're so limited as people. Jesus is unlimited in his power and his knowledge and his ability. And he heals this man without even taking a step closer to him. And I just want you to think about that today. 
the power of the Word of God, the power of our Savior. And then think about the different ways in which maybe over time you've kind of lacked in your faith and what God can actually accomplish. You know, as soon as he said it, the man believed, and then he found out later he was right on the mark. Can I tell you, when God makes a promise, it happens. You can bank on it. It's a promise that you don't have to question. And oh, there's so many promises in the Word of God. But how often as we go through this life and and we get trodden down by the different trials and and temptations of this life and we get discouraged, we start to, to lack in our belief. We start to forget about how great our God is, the God that we serve. The one who spoke all of this into existence. The one who can heal a man on the spot without taking a step closer to him. That's the God that we serve today, but how often do we lack in our faith? And when I was a kid, I remember, I've told you this story all the time, um, but, but I remember as a kid, when my dad would say something like a promise of some sort, our kids, we would, we would remember it, us kids. I mean, if he said we're going to Dairy Queen after church, you better believe we're going to remember that. And we're going to remind him of it, right? We're going to, hey, dad, dad, church is over. Dad, stop talking, dad, we're going to Dairy Queen. I mean, right? I mean, when, a kid, when you make a promise to a kid, even if you didn't know it was a promise, that kid's going to remember, right? Can I remind you today that we're God's children and he's made us so many promises and he asks us to come to him as his children and remind him of those promises and he'll fulfill them. I mean, I want you to think about the fact that he says that anyone who comes can be saved. You know what that means? You can be saved today if you're not saved. You know what else that means? That loved one that you care about so much that it seems like they don't care about God at all. He can save them. You know what else? He promises that when you come to him, he saves you unto good works and he has good works prepared for you to do. So he has a purpose for your life. I mean, he's got a job for you to accomplish on this earth. I mean, talk about an exciting way to live. The God of the universe has good works prepared for me, for you, for each of us. That's a promise we can bank on. God promised that he would supply all of our needs. All of our needs. So when finances are tough, man, we don't know what we're going to do. We can go to him and we can know that he'll provide for our needs. Not our wants, right? I know Christmas is coming. Not our wants. Our needs, okay? There's so many promises throughout the word of God. He says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. He's with us today if you're his child. He may feel far away. It might seem like he's distant, but he's here. He promised to be here. He said when when he left that he would send a comforter, the Holy Spirit, who would guide us, who would illuminate his word for us, who would strengthen us, who would empower us to live this life. That's a promise. So what are some promises today that you have maybe stopped believing? What are some areas in your life where you know God's powerful enough, but man, it doesn't seem like it's working. It doesn't seem like it's happening. Listen, I don't know the specific situation that you might be going through in your life. But Jesus has limitless power. And I don't know his exact will for that financial situation or that health problem or that that relationship. I don't know his exact will, but I'll tell you this. When the Apostle Paul went to him a time and a time again to take away this ailment that he had, Jesus didn't take it away. But you know what he said? He said, my grace is sufficient for you. And I don't know his exact will for the trial that you're going through right now, but I do know that his grace is sufficient for you. That's a promise you can bank on. He has limitless power. 
And that's what John wants us to see today. I mean, Jesus, go, your son is alive. He's living. I don't need to go down there. He's alive. And the man believes. What would it look like for us today to believe? To believe in what God says. To bank on it. And then to be so excited when we see it fulfilled. Right? Like that man. I mean, what time was it? Tell me the time. The exact time. Man, be so excited about what God's doing in our lives. I could tell you story after story after story of the miracles that God has done in my life. And man, when I ask for it, I'm almost like, should I even be asking for this? And then it happens and I'm like, wow, you did it again. Over and over and over again. Do you believe in miracles? Your pastor does. He prays for them often. Do you believe in miracles? God can do it. Jesus has limitless power. So as we close today, I want to kind of apply all of this to you in two different questions. I want to go back to that first one. I want to remind you that there's two groups in the book of John. There's those who believe and those who don't. And you're going to see this all throughout the gospel. And so I want to ask you today, what group are you in? That's so important that you get this today. I don't care if you've gone to church your entire life. Do you believe? Do you know him? Do you know Jesus today? The Bible says if you recognize that you're a sinner, you realize you're separated from God and it's because of your sin, and you deserve eternity separated from him in a place called hell, you recognize that, but you come to him. And you ask him to save you and to bring you into a relationship with him. The Bible says he will. It says, whoever comes, I will in no wise cast out. Call on him today. Ask him to save you. Like we talked about last week, come take a drink of that living water that he offers. What group are you in? And secondly, if you are a Christian today, which many of you have professed faith in Christ. If you are a Christian today, I want you to think, think about all the promises in God's word. Think about all of them, all, all the ways in which God has said, hey, I can do this. I have the power to do this. And then I want you to ask, what have you stopped believing that God can do? Is it maybe an unsaved loved one? Man, you've been praying for years for this person to come to Christ. And they don't seem to be budging. They seem to be going the other way. And so you started to lose your faith. Man, I don't know if God can save them. Maybe it's a different crisis. Maybe it's a relationship in your life that just seems to be falling apart. And you're like, I know that God can, can mend this. I know that he can, but you're starting to lose that faith. I want to remind you today, he has limitless power. He can do anything. The scriptures say nothing is impossible for God. Nothing. And so what in your life have you stopped believing that God can do. And many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written that ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing ye might have life through his name.